At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. All right, gang. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Your saltwater guide, Captain Dave Hansen, with another phenomenal podcast for you today. First, I want to thank everybody for being uh, members of my website and watching us every day. I appreciate all that. Everybody that's watching us all the time, I appreciate the heck out of you. And today we have a phenomenal show with a super... Super guest, Reed the Fishmonger is going to be joining us in a few minutes, and I'm super excited. When he called me back, after all of you asked me to have him on the show and Reed finally called me back, I was like, I won the lottery when I saw his number pop up on my phone. I was so excited to have this guy. I love his sense of humor. I love the way he takes care of the neighborhood and the the fish and the fishery, and I just can't wait to talk to him. But real quick, I promised you all that we were going to give away the $200 today to the guy that put out the best picture, our girl that put out the best picture with my shirt on. And we cannot not give it to Jeff Cepeda. Jeff, Jeff, that was phenomenal. I can't even tell you how many pictures he submitted. He submitted so many pictures, went on so many different boats, wearing my shirt, which is all I can ask for. So Jeff, thank you very much. You and your wife watch the show every day religiously, and I thank you. And then the grab bag, free stuff from Promar. It's going to be all kinds of stuff. Dan and Kim, you guys give so much back to me and Kelly and Marley and the the, the kitties. So we thank you very, very much. So Dan and Kim, you're going to get that grab bag of free stuff. So Promar's going to ship it straight to your house. And uh, Jeff, I'm going to sell you or Venmo you the 200 bucks. And with no further ado, let's bring in the man, Reed. Come on in, man. Let's get this show started. Buddy, how are you? Doing killer, man. How you doing, brother? Oh, I am so excited to have you here. I love watching your videos, man. The way you cut fish and the way you make it so great. You make fish cutting cool, bro. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I sure have fun doing it. You do. I can tell by watching you and your, your facial expressions and everything about it. Gang, if you have not seen Reed, you're probably living under a rock. It's almost impossible. He puts out a phenomenal amount of content all the time. He's super active on all social media platforms, just like I am. And it's his stuff is so cool. And people have been watching me cut fish on my show for years, and they've all said, You got to get Reed on there, Dave. You have no idea how to cut fish. You need to have Reed show you how. Now, being an old sport boat guy my whole life, or you guys call them head boats down there, we I cut a ton of fish in my life, but nothing like what you do. It's not even in the same game, bro. So I want to know, and I'm sure most of the people watching, how did you get into this thing? Because it's not like you just wake up one morning, I'm going to go cut fish and sell fish for a living. Um, that's a great question. So my, I work at Captain Clay and Sons Seafood Market. I'm a partner at Captain Clay and Sons Seafood Market in Delray Beach, Florida. Captain Clay is my dad. He's been commercial fishing since the seventies. 
I grew up working on his boat. Um, he's a primarily does commercial spear fishing, diving, lobster diving. Uh, he also top water fishes as well. Um, and so I grew up working on his boat and my mom and dad opened up a seafood market in 2006 and the, the rest is history. They were selling their catch to other seafood markets and decided to sell their catch on their own. Oh, they must be so happy with your social media following. Boy, they must love that. Oh, yeah, man. Um, well, my. So I was 14 years old when the seafood market opened. And I would take the bus to the closest drop off point to the seafood market every day after school, walk the rest of the way. And it was my mom in there by herself while my dad was out fishing for the shop. When we first opened, the majority of the seafood we sold was just caught by dad. He'd, uh, he'd go out, he'd uh, do three tanks in the morning, and depending on how much he caught, he'd come in and drop it off. Or if he didn't catch that much, he'd start topwater fishing and then come in and drop off. And he just, on repeat, was doing that over and over and over again while mom was the one receiving his catch and filleting it and putting it in the display case. Um, small 500 square foot shop with a small display case um, and uh, just kind of built up from the, the ground up. So I would walk over there after school and I'd help my mom in any way I can. It was mostly just uh, scrubbing floors, cleaning out coolers, organizing fish, gutting fish, things along those lines. Um, and then as we got a little busier, I was helping with customers. As we got a little busier, I started flying myself. Um, and that's how that progression went. My, uh, my mom got sick a few years later, and I started doing it myself. My dad still is fishing, and um, I was at a point to where I could handle it. So uh, mom was stepping away, and I started doing it myself. And then we kept getting busier, and I started having to hire hands to help me. And uh, here we are. Um, you know, 17 years later, I've typically on every, any uh, given day, I have a crew of around 12 people that work for me. And it's, it's an absolute blast. We've got a, a rocking and rolling seafood market uh, during season, which season for us is wintertime. Um, we're in the, the Southeast, so it's the opposite from the North for us, whereas summers are slower time of year, winters are busier time of year. We can have people that are lining up, waiting, come in the front door for when we open. And it didn't start out that way. It was years of, uh, educating the community and never selling a bad piece of fish. Oh my God. What a phenomenal story. So there, <clears throat> Your father basically is a commercial fisherman, for lack of a better word, which is probably the most underutilized human being in America. And for some reason, I don't know how society decided that the commercial fishermen were not relevant to the United States of America. We've been pushed out so far. The down Out here in California, Reed, the, you were down at Tommy Gomes' shop. That whole area was commercial fishing forever. Now you're have a hard time even finding five commercial boats down there in San Diego Harbor, even though San Diego was built. I'm so happy that your family is totally involved in the commercial fishing and feeding the American citizen, American caught seafood. What a great concept. I don't know why that is such a hard thing for people to understand. What do you think the reason is? 
Um, you know what, man? It's um, a combination of a lot of things. Lack of education and, um, and lack of priorities. Uh, priorities meaning just uh, preferring a, something that's less expensive. And which, you know, for a lot of people, I, I can't blame people for the, the choices they make financially because it is expensive to eat local commercially harvested seafood. Uh, where, where I live, it's probably one of the most expensive places to eat local commercially harvested seafood. Um, you know, the, your guys' rockfish commercial boats get paid half for rockfish as what our commercial boats get paid for snapper, which would be, you know, a similar equivalent. Um, and groupers even more expensive than that snapper. And the, the reason for it is just because there's a lot of different avenues you can go down, but uh, local commercially harvested seafood is, is unfortunately very expensive and it's, it's too expensive for a lot of people. Um, so we do try to, find different ways to make it more affordable. Uh, that's why, you know, we're, we're cutting out snapper wings. We're cutting out trigger fish throats. Uh, those are relatively inexpensive cuts. It's, you know, kind of like the, the dark meat of chicken. And, uh, you know, the, the trigger fish filet at the fish market is going to go for 22 bucks a pound. Whereas the, those uh, throat cuts with the skin off, membrane peeled, fully trimmed, looking beautiful and delicious, are going to go for fourteen bucks a pound, and you can uh, for for fifteen bucks you can get a whole pile of them, and uh, so we try to find different ways to make the seafood fresh, local, beautiful fish more affordable by utilizing cuts like that. That you that trigger fish we down here in Cabo we catch a phenomenal amount of them. I never thought what a I'm right there with everybody. What a waste of meat. We throw that chunk away right there. Now, watching your video again, I watched it this morning when you posted it. That is a phenomenal piece of meat. That, that'll feed some people. And it's really, trigger fish is such an amazing food fish. It's very, very hard to fillet. I mean, the skin is like elephant hide. It's gnarly. It's hard on your knife if you don't know what to do. But then to take that and make that throat cut like you did, that's an incredible thing. What made you come up with that idea? Because I love that. And we'd never thought of it. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> it's just life, life experience. There, it's there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that I do that I have, uh, completely come up with on my own, just from playing with things. That's not one of them. I saw someone doing that at one point, thought it was an awesome idea, tried it out myself. And I was like, wow, that's way easier than what I was doing. And, and I, you know, there, there's, as uh, Tommy Gomes says, there, there's nothing new under the sun, man. There, there really isn't. Even the stuff that I think that I came up with, obviously I didn't come up with it. I just didn't see anyone else do it before I did. And, um, and uh, there's, there just really is, is nothing new under the sun to circle back around to um, consuming local commercially harvested seafood versus um, not and in prices and things that play a role in creating that something that's really important for recreational fishermen that hate on commercial fishermen to understand is that recreational fishermen catch the vast majority of harvested seafood in the United States. 
Like, like it's it's not even a close comparison. The commercial harvest is a fraction of recreational harvest. And every drop of commercially harvested seafood is consumed. And I would, you know, I, I don't like when people generalize, so I don't want to generalize myself. But I can um, confidently guess that a fraction of recreational harvested seafood gets consumed. Um, and and it's, it's a really, really unfortunate thing that, um, you know, fishing for sport turns into like, you know, you see a boat of four guys going in, going out, catching hundreds of pounds of fish. Do you think they're properly processing that fish, respecting that catch, making sure that every drop gets utilized? I get comments all the time being like, like, oh man, you wasted that fish because you filleted it. Like, no, I didn't. The throats came out, the cheeks came out, the frame got removed. All of that gets sold. If that doesn't get sold, it goes into crab traps. All of it stays within the community in some way, shape, or form. And, of course, some of it ends up in the big round can. That's inevitable. But we do the most effort we can to utilize every drop of this fish to respect the animal and also just make it a more affordable thing. And... um you know, I would love to see recreational fishermen uh, taking a more thoughtful approach to, to harvesting seafood, a uh, more, more thoughtful approach to like, am I going to consume everything that's coming with me? And it, it, the irony is, is a lot of the people that are quick to hate on commercial fishermen are the people who then themselves don't have clean hands who are going out there catching way more than they can consume themselves. And they say, oh, I give it to my friends and family. And it's like, listen, a lot of you guys do. I'm sure a lot of you guys do. Um, But me personally, in circles that I know firsthand, that's that's not necessarily what happens. Um, In a local fishing forum, there was a huge greater amberjack, a 30, 40 pound fish that was uh, in a public bathroom toilet, like as a joke, like as a joke, like, you know, they went out there, they caught a fish that was fun to catch for them and uh, they didn't want to keep it to consume. So instead of just like catching it, taking their picture and then safely releasing the fish, they, they filled up the coolers full of them because it looks much cooler for the gram. If your cooler is full of the fish, instead of releasing the fish, releasing the fish is much less cool. Um, so then they, they, they wasted this like beautiful animal that was full of meat. A 40 pound amberjack is going to get you 20 pounds of meat and, um, and skin off, bone out, bloodline out, fully trimmed. It's going to get you 15 plus pounds, fully trimmed. And that's not counting using the odd cuts. And, um, you know, that, that could have fed 40 people. And instead it was, it was used as a joke. And, um, and this isn't like this isolated event that like I like hand cherry picked the one time this thing happened. No, stuff like this is happening all the time. And wh- where it's not happening is with commercial fishermen. No commercial fisherman is going to take that fish that could have helped pay for their fuel for the day or help f- put food in the mouths of their family or friends or loved ones or coworkers and made a joke out of it. Yeah, you're right. It's unfortunate. It's so sad that, 
we can't all work together. That's what I always say on my podcast every day is we all need to come together. Commercial fishermen, fishmongers, recreational fishermen, because we all fight and you see it on your post and I see it on mine. There's so much hate and there's so many people talking so much crap to you and me that it just is mind boggling. And all we're doing is trying to show a better, cleaner, better way and entertain the people at the same time. And then you get all this hate and you got all these people and then they, the environmentalists that are trying to shut your father down, trying to shut you down, trying to shut me down. They're watching and going, oh, this is going to be easy. These guys can't agree on nothing. We're going to be able to just take everything from them. And that's the plan in the United States of America. They do not want us harvesting our own seafood, which is just, to me, it's a crazy, crazy situation. Tommy Gomes says it's because they don't want any of us down on the water. They want to use it all for condos. I think that may be part of it, but I just think they've got us so, our minds so confused even though we're the largest consumer of seafood in the world, we don't, we, we all say, oh, sustainable, but we don't because we buy it from China. If you go, you know, and I'm just talking, if you go to Costco tomorrow and buy a piece of fish, I'll guarantee it never came anywhere near your father's boat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the, our, our commercial fishing operation is a, a 25 foot center console. Um, where, where, you know, we've got the commercial grouper snapper permits and a few other commercial permits that allow us to, to harvest and sell those species. Um, but we're, we're going out in a small vessel fishing hard for anywhere from eight to 16 hours and then coming back in, dropping off the catch and then doing it over again. Uh, have you ever seen the, or heard the documentary Sea Spiracy? Oh my gosh. You know, that gave me a heart attack, bro. I would want to throw stuff at the television. I was so pissed. The the, the irony is I agree with the sentiment. I I actually agree with the the sentiment of the documentary. Um, I I'm not the biggest fan of the the fisheries that are um, like cities on water. I call them the draggers. Yeah, where they're going out for weeks at a time. And they're catching tens of thousands of pounds. And it's, um, and that is where you get into, you know, the, I, I think if those operations didn't exist, I think there would be a lot less hate on commercial fishermen. I think it's, it's, you know, those are the people that you really hate. And it's, um, anyone else that has the name is roped in. Right. But, you know, what, what my dad and I are doing versus what, you know, those operations that are going out for weeks at a time, catching tens of thousands of pounds a trip, it's just completely different. There's, there's no comparison. Um, you know, talking about small commercial fishermen that would never waste that amberjack, you know, those, those cities on the water, like they would. Um, so they, they fall into that category as well. And, you know, I'm not saying what everyone is doing is wrong and what we're doing is right. I'm just saying that, you know, uh, on our small boats, we have never we have never had a single bycatch um, because bycatch has market value when you're on a small commercial boat. When you're on those those big vessels that are pulling up nets, the bycatch often goes back in the water dead. Um, so you know that's the equivalent of that you know amberjack that the whoever made the joke out of it. Um, whereas 
you know, is even when we're if we're topwater fishing, we catch something that we didn't mean to catch. It can go right back alive. And when you're spear fishing, there is no catching something you didn't mean to catch. And if you catch something topwater fishing that you didn't mean to catch that has you know value in your seafood market or the seafood market you're selling to, and then it's it's no longer bycatch. It just wasn't something you intentionally caught. And um, so there, there's there's no waste of food on small commercial operations. And most of the boats that we buy off of are those small commercial operations. They're going out a day at a time. Um, we're in the Atlantic. So the Gulf Stream, where we are, the Gulf Stream is only one to two miles offshore. Uh, we do go a couple hours north where the Gulf Stream is uh, 10 plus miles offshore. So that does, it's a longer day. Um, and then we do have a couple of friends that run commercial boats in the Gulf on the west coast of Florida and you have to go further offshore there. So some of those guys do do two to three day trips, but they're still, you know, those two to three day trips are done on 30, 35 feet boats. So they're, they're still small commercial operations where, you know, every drop is getting consumed. Um, there's no like giant lines that are in giant nets that are ending up in the ocean and ruining everything. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's my take on Seaspiracy is I, I actually appreciate the 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 sentiment um, and I agree with a lot of it. It just um, completely overlooks, you know, small 20 to 40 foot commercial boats that are just going out a day or two at a time, working hard, coming back, not a drop of the fish wasted. Um, and as far as uh, energy efficiency and everything like that, all of the majority of those small commercial vessels that fish is getting consumed in the local community. And when the local community is consuming the fish, the environmental impact is significantly reduced. Um, all the green people that are up in arms about fish. Um, you know, I don't want to hear it. If your avocado comes from Costa Rica, uh, if your avocado comes from Mexico, if your bananas come from Costa Rica, um, I don't want to hear it if your uh, tomatoes come from Europe or South America or Central America. Um, if all of the the food you consume comes from your local community and then you want to complain about people that are consuming food outside of your local community, go right ahead. You've, um, you're, you're playing your part. You're doing what's, what's right and environmentally ethical by just consuming your community. Um, but if you're not doing that, um, shut up. Yeah, exactly. I feel the same way you do, buddy. And I'm with you 100%. We're going to stop for one second real quick. We're going to talk about Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance. We're going to throw up a quick commercial from Larry and the boys over at Sport Pacific Sport. Yeah, take a drink and we'll jump in here after this commercial and keep going because, man, we're just getting rolling here. I'm excited, man. I love talking to you. <laughs> Hey guys, Larry Hansen here again, Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance. I want to talk real quick about our newest location in Gustavus, Alaska, Southeast Alaska. I'm just concentrating on that for just this, this little video here. You know, it's in Southeast Alaska. It's about 60 miles west of Juneau, with the state capital of Alaska, uh, in Southeast there. Uh, we fish all the regular species. We have five different kinds of salmon, you know, king salmon, sowers, and chums, and 
and pinks um, that we fish for. We fish for Pacific halibut. Gustavus is known for its very large Pacific halibut, so it's a, a big target for our guys is to go out and catch a, a, a personal best halibut. We also do some fisheries that, that a lot of guys don't do. We do some deep drops from black cod. Uh, we do we drop shrimp and crab pots to allow our guests to go out there and harvest those species as well. We run that place from about middle of June to the about the first week in September. So that's a perfect time to go. We're also, we pick Gustavus because we're right at the foot of Glacier Bay National Park, one of the most well-known national parks in all of the U.S. So our operation is right there, just a couple miles from the entrance to Glacier Bay National Park, where you can go see the, the glaciers calving, where you can go see, uh, you know, go up there and see the wildlife. It's all protected. Uh, we have to get special, we have to get special permits to get into the park, which we do. We do that every year. So guys, if you want to go fish uh, in Gustavus, uh, one more thing up there is uh, we have our we bought our own processing plant when, when we bought the property. This allows us to process our own fish, uh, to back seal it there in our facility and freeze it for you and send it home. Uh, so we produce a great product for you guys coming up when you want to fish out of there. It's a separate building um, and we, we do some uh, processing for other lodges there as well. So come up and visit us. Gustavus, Alaska. We're very excited about it. You can see it all over social media, all over our website there. Uh, you want to come up and fish a, dream, a bucket list type trip uh, to Alaska, that's the place to go. Thanks for watching, guys. All right, gang. That's Larry Hansen. Elliot will throw his QR code up on the screen real quick. You guys can grab that code while Reed and I are talking, and you can go check out all the different things he has. He's got all kinds of bucket list fishing trips. That Alaska thing's a new deal. You want to check that out? Grab that QR code and go check out what Larry's got going on. And when you're all done, make sure you let him know that your saltwater guide told you about it. And you're going to get a cool discount. You want to go check it out and go be a part of what he's got going on. Hey, look at, thank you, Reed. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. So one thing you, you were touching on with the draggers and all that stuff and a, a hot word that these greenies love to use is sustainable fishery, a sustainable fishery. There is nothing more sustainable than what you and your family are doing. You utilize every piece of that fish. Like you just said, you actually care about each and every fish and you make sure you get as much there. You guys are, I love, I love these people that they, Oh, you wasted. Oh, the cheek. You're making a one minute video or a two minute video. You're not showing the whole process of the day. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Go. No, no, you're, you're hundred percent correct. Uh, I've got so many guys that <laughs> you forgot the cheeks. Like, like, no, I didn't dude. It's, it's, you know, YouTube shorts allows 60 seconds. Like, <laughs> like I, I'm pretty quick, but crap, dude! Like how quick do you think I am? Uh, I've been a you know fully process it, harvest it, cheeks, collars, fillets, skin, deep bone, uh, in all sixty seconds. Um, I've yet to meet a guy that can do it. If you can find him, let me know because uh, he has a job at Captain Clay's. Right. Plus, I mean, I love this lionfish. I mean, what a horrible fish that it's invaded Florida, and you're showing everybody that hey, it's not that bad. You can eat every part of this guy. That's yeah, they're they're absolutely delicious fish. Um, they're uh, uh, you know in in our area they're actually like super hyped up. Um, so they've done a great job the you know local community and promoting how just good of a fish it is. We've um, we've done a great job. A fun story is in two thousand and ten, two thousand nine. When this fish first came up in conversation with my dad and I about eating it, 
Um, so we were, we were complaining about it and someone said, and he like, you know, they're edible. This is like way before it became more of a thing. And we, we ate one or we ate a couple of them and we're like, holy crap, this is actually really good. And so we, we caught a whole bunch of them and tried to get customers to, to try them. We were selling them dirt cheap. There was no market for them, no commercial fish houses anywhere around where we were was, was selling them or harvesting them, buying them from local spear fishermen. Like it wasn't a thing. It just, it wasn't a thing at all. And customers were terrified of it. They're all like, nah, we're good. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're super blessed to have a following of customers that we've, you know, spent a long time building a trust relationship with. And most of our customers, when we give a recommendation, they're like, okay, you say so, we'll try it. And we had a couple of those, but a lot of people just, you know, they hear something that's venomous, no matter how much they trust you, they're just, they don't want to touch it. Um, so my dad did something that I, I really admire because this was while I was still a teenager and no commercial fish houses in at least in our area, nowhere around that I knew about was selling them. Uh, he started catching um, up to hundreds of pounds and we were cutting them up and giving them away to customers. Um, we wanted the local community to realize that they were actually good so there was about a two-week period to a month to where just about every customer that was coming in, we'd ask them if they wanted to try lionfish for free. And anybody that said yes, we threw a few fillets in their bag. Um, and then uh, that gave us a little bit of a market for it. And then we were able to start selling them. Um, and uh, it was only a few years later to where... Um, you know, other fish houses started selling them. And then there started being, you know, you know, articles and documentaries and all kinds of stuff coming out about it. And now it's to the point to where there's such a high demand for them um, <laughs> that the, the price is honestly absurd. It is absolutely ridiculous what, um, what lionfish costs. I am a big fan of commercial fishermen getting paid um, more for their catch, but, um, but man, uh, you know, when the demand is so high, basically the sky's the limit, you know, if, if you've got a, a thousand fish houses and restaurants asking for your fish and they are not getting enough of it, you basically make up whatever price you want. <laughs> One out of those thousands going to take it. If not, you know, multiple, because there's not enough of them to really, you know, make it worth it. So um, anyways, the, the market value for lionfish where we live right now is a, a cheap lionfish. You can buy wholesale for $6 a pound. Um, the couple of local divers in our area, um, they're, they get like $8, $9 a pound for them. It's absurd, which, uh, you know, good for them. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, happy, I'm happy they're getting it for them, but it makes it tough when you're the one that's selling it to a customer. And like, you know, that, that spear fisherman isn't the one that's faced with having to explain to somebody why the invasive thing that we're trying to eradicate costs $30 a pound for a fillet. <laughs> and, uh, you know, for those listening that just heard me say $9 a pound, why are you charging $30 a pound? Well, about a third of that $9 a pound fish is a fillet, which puts my cost at about $27 a pound. So how much do you think I should charge 
um, to take those little tiny fish and turn them into fillets um, to get 10 pounds out of it is uh, for one of my fishmongers that's proficient and good at cutting fish. I had a half hour of labor to make 10 pounds of fillet. So a half pound of labor. Uh, I don't know what labor is where you guys are. I know in California, it's very expensive. Where I live, it's very expensive. Um, so my cost was $27 a pound, half hour of labor. What do you think I should sell it for? Um, uh, oh, there's a question. Reed, how do you explain to a novice customer that mercury constant in some fish versus others? Myself, personally, never had a problem. Um, yeah, it's a great question. Uh, first of all, let me say I'm not a doctor. I'm not giving out any medical advice. Um, but if you've got a filling in your mouth or if you walk down the street in a busy city, you're consuming more mercury on a daily basis than if you were eating swordfish or tuna on a daily basis. Um, now, if you've got uh, uh, no mercury fillings and you live in, uh, out in the sticks, then you probably have uh, significantly less mercury than someone that is living in a city, regardless of fish consumption. Um, go ahead. I got a way that I talk to people about this. I go, do you eat cows? Then you don't care about what you eat anyway. So why are you worried about a fish? Yeah, well, you know, um, mer mercury is a dangerous thing. And I, 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 do, I, do, I, I do appreciate the sentiment. Um, the, the sentiment is valid. The application is um, less. Um, so long story short, if you're eating a high mercury fish, on a once a week basis for the rest of your life, you probably have absolutely nothing to worry about. If you get tested for mercury and you have elevated mercury, I would see if you have mercury fillings and I would um, see what the air quality is where you live first because that's probably the reason. Uh, the doctor is gonna blame fish. It's gonna tell you to take fish out of your diet. Uh, you're gonna take fish out of your diet and you're going to be on a, a 10 year journey with this doctor trying to fix this mercury thing. And there you guys are both going to be bewildered and wondering like, oh, I took fish out. Like, you know, the mercury should be going down, but it's not. And it's because it's the, the likelihood of it being the fish is low unless you're eating, you know, swordfish and tuna every day for, for years and years and years. And you know, there, there's a chance that it could create elevated mercury inside of you. Um, but if you're eating elevated mercury fish once a week and lower mercury fish multiple times a week, you almost certainly, without giving any medical advice, have nothing to worry about. <laughs> exactly. And then uh, my one of my good buddies, Matt, threw up a question about, can you fix a, when you mess up on a fillet, is there any way to fix it? Uh, well, it depends on uh, what, the, what the mistake is. Is there a way for him to throw up what the mistake is? Um, there's a there's hundred ways to make a mistake while filleting, and I can run through all of them. Um, but I don't think we have that much time. <laughs> yeah. So we'll be throwing some more questions up. Here. Yeah. Yeah. If he wants to circle back around and give me a, a specific question, I'd be happy to happy to answer it. Also, you know, you can go to read the fishmongers, uh, YouTube channel, Instagram page, Facebook. Um, and I've got tons of videos up there for you to check out on uh, your question might be answered from flicking through those videos. Something that I thought was really cool, and I lost my mom when I was a little boy, but that your mom taught you how to cut fish. How spectacular. I mean, there's not a lot of guys out there that can say their mom taught them how to cut fish. That's pretty yeah. rad. That's pretty special, man. That's a special little deal. Give yeah, your mom um, all kudos. Thanks, man. I'm, I'm really sorry to hear about your mom. Um, I lost my mom when I was um, 
you know, not that young. I was, uh, let's see, I'm, I'm 30 now. I was 22 when I lost my mom. Uh, and she's my best friend in the whole wide world. So I, you know, I, I feel for anybody that loses a mom, um, is, a it's, it's, it's not an easy thing to go through. Um, but yeah, it was a combination between my mom and my dad. Um, you know, my mom was the one that I definitely spent more time with in the seafood market in the first few years when she was around. And then you're back there every day cutting fish. It's got to be your mom's right there with you. How special is that? I put, yeah. my, I put my mother's ashes in a giant pot of dolphins, in a humongous pot of dolphins. So every day I see the dolphin. That's my mom. I always tell mm-hmm. everybody on there, that's my mom stopping by, making sure I'm doing a good job today, making sure I'm not being a booger eater. And, that's um, awesome. Your mom's doing the same thing with you every day in the market. They're making sure you're cutting it. Look at those views. Reed, look at the views you get. That's magic. That's mom. Yeah. She's up there. Make, con- she's controlling that because we don't know the algorithm. You and I, we have no idea what algorithm means or how to even spell algorithm. But, man, they can manipulate our views like you can't even believe. One day we can get a million views, and the next day with a video that you and I thought was better, we'll get 500 views. <laughs> oh, I can't tell you how many times that has happened. Whereas, you know, something that I just threw together real quick does phenomenal. And the thing that I put a lot of time and effort and care into and like, you know, uh, above average effort input. And it's a it's a total flop on views. Um, that's that's definitely a, a blow whenever that happens. But it happens. Um, the Your buddy threw the question back up. He's talking about when you cut through the spine, when you're making your initial cuts. Um, So say my hand is the center spine. So you've got one fillet here, one fillet here. Let's call my wrist the head. And we'll call my finger and the knife. When you're filleting and you accidentally cut through the spine, I I don't want to sound like a a schmuck here at all. but you literally just go back on top of the part that you cut through. So just, you know, you don't have to make those big, giant, long, beautiful strokes. Just make little incisions to go back on top of the spine. Just kind of correct it. Once you have it back on the center spine and say like, here, let me turn my hand. So say you're here and your mistake is here, but the rest of the fillet is up to here. So you make the correction right here. And then once you're back there again, you can start making those, those long strokes. Um, I, I hope that answers the question for you. Maybe I'll, I'll make a, a video demonstrating it for you in the next couple of days here. Um, so follow along, read the fishmonger and I'll uh, try to make a note. Uh, maybe, you can send me a text right now. Send me a text and I won't open it. And um, and I'll leave it unread. So that way when I'm at the, the shop tomorrow morning, I, I remember. There you go. So what they want to send you a text message. How do they do that? Oh, I was telling you to send me a text. Oh, me. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, I got yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, we're now. not giving the whole world Reed's phone yeah. number. Really? You're going to do no. that? I do that, but you don't want to do that. I'm an no, old man. No, it's... Um, I'm an old man. And I'm today, um, it's the only way I get to talk to people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I already have my, my email public there and all my social media platforms. And, uh, 
just about every chef in my county that's a uh, that I work with has my phone number. So that's, that's, that's enough workload for me. Absolutely. I understand. It's crazy how many people think because we put our phone number out there that they get to call me and tell me they don't like my videos. It's crazy. I like, dude. wait, 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 you, you've gotten a phone call for someone just like calling you to complain more than one. Like, like I've they probably, called you. I've probably had a hundred. Not, you know, you know, th- those are fans. If if they're taking the time out of their day to give energy to you, oh, uh, I call I call those people fans. Believe me, it blows my mind. I've had this call probably more than not, where they call me up and tell me they've been watching my videos. They watch everything I put out, and they can't stand the way I talk. And I'm just I'm just an old man. I'm like, huh. When I used to watch cartoons when I was a little kid on CBS or ABC, I never would have ever thought, hey, I don't like Bugs Bunny today. I'm calling CBS and telling them they need to take <laughs> Bugs Bunny off the – it's crazy. It's it's so – but it's fun. I get off. I love it. I love all the hate. I eat the hate. I love hate. I want more hate. I, I want to be the most hated human being on social media because it's incredible. That- one, one thing you do that I, I absolutely love is you – um, I don't know how often you do this, but I saw it a couple times, but you're like, um, I know your, your knife is sharper. Um, you fillet better, faster, like, like, I don't know, like just the beginning <laughs> of the video, you're like, you basically outlined what like three or four of the comments were going to be anyways. And been like, you know, like kick rocks. Like I already know, I already know, <laughs> like you're better, you're faster, your knife is sharper. Have a nice day. Exactly. There I am doing the same thing. I'm at Tommy Gomes. His knife's like a razor blade, but I'm telling everybody, I know your knife's way sharper. Um, someone wrote, uh, asked what the first fish I ever cut was. And um, to be honest, I really don't know. I wish I did know. That'd be cool. Like, it'd be kind of like neat to have that information, but I honestly have no clue. Wow. I, the, I the same way. The, the likelihood of it being a, a hogfish is pretty good um this you know it was some kind of uh shallow reef grouper snapper because when we first opened that was the most stuff we sold um hogfish mangrove snapper mutton snapper um yellowtail snapper and then um red grouper black grouper gray grouper so it's the likelihood of it being one of those is great but to be frank i, I have no clue right cut so many fish just if you guys delve into his videos and and the the one thing that I got told a hundred times was when that video I made with Tommy Gomes, I'm I'm talking about the spinal fluid and eating that. And yep. I said I made I <laughs> I already I don't waste words. Let's be honest. When I'm talking, I'm act I'm we're looking for the reaction. You and I okay. know the whole thing feeds off of views. The more views, the more money. That's what's going on here. Sorry, gang. We're not making these videos because Reed and I have a bunch of extra time. We don't know what to do with it. At the end of the day, we're making these because we want you to look at them and the, and we want you to comment. And if you comment, then we'll add another comment and then you'll view again. And it's another view and it's, it's a machine. But when I made the video, that one right there, and I told everybody, this has never been made before. Even though I'd already seen you do it, I knew that it was going to get this massive. Re- oh my gosh, you wouldn't even believe. I bet you 300 people told me Reed did it a long time ago. And I was like, no way, you're kidding. 
But that was a great day with Tom. Um, I never tasted nothing like that before. Uh, I, w I had a um, minimum a dozen people send me that video. <laughs> and I thought they were sending it to me just because it was neat. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's really cool. And they're like, no, he said that he's the first one to do it. And I, was, I just thought it saying I don't give a shit. <laughs> isn't what it, do I care? Isn't it crazy how they're going to get us? I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. I'm going to spend yeah. this to read. And he's going to get him. And they're, they're going to fight. And it's going to be over. They're going to shut Dave down. I'm like, this is so funny. Watch yeah. this. And then. I, I've, I've, I've always been a um, who needs enemies when you can have friends kind of guy. Um, there's, there's plenty of people that I, I like. There's uh, even more people that I don't like. But um, I just choose to give my energy to the people I like and not give energy to the people I don't like. The, the people that are giving their energy to the people they don't like are, um, uh, they get a shit ROI. <laughs> oh my gosh. I went down the rabbit hole of some of your most popular videos and I started reading the comments and I was like, it doesn't matter. Read, read, young, doing a phenomenal job, educating the world, but he's still getting a ton of hate just like I am. I like, so it doesn't if we're pop, if we're getting a lot of views, all of a sudden they just hate us, and they never even well, you know, man, a cup of coffee with them. I, 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 I'm sure, like you, I'd say 99% of my comments are positive. Um, it's just you know the the ones that aren't positive, we're we're human beings. They don't feel nice. <laughs> um, luckily, you're the kind of guy that has a good attitude about it, so that way it rolls off. Um, to be honest, when I first started this, um. I've, you know, spent a long time in customer service and hospitality. I'm a fishmonger. I'm not a fish cutter. Uh, that's something I, I wish I could educate to everybody. Um, fish cutters are people that sit in the room all day cutting fish. Fishmongers are the ones that are talking to customers, educating them on different flavor profiles, fat contents, consistencies, textures, how to cook it, why which cut is the better cut for how you're preparing your fish. Um, you know, that's what a fishmonger is. Uh, a fish cutter is someone that's just, you know, eight hours a day or however long. It's just pounding out as much many fish as he can. Um, fish cutters usually help with, you know, receiving and lifting heavy things and stuff like that. And it's um, it's a very important job to, to fish houses, but it's not what a fishmonger is. They're totally different things. Um, and uh, a fish cutter, you know, I've got people that's, you know, told me that um, someone can cut uh, better than me and faster than me. And that's like anything, man. Like, like I sure hope so. <laughs> like I, I, I spend, you know, uh, a couple hours a day tops, tops cutting fish. I, and I, I spend, you know, uh, countless hours talking to customers and helping customers and making sure everyone coming into our seafood market is having a great experience. Um, so I would hope the person that's uh, spending, uh, 10 times as many hours actually on the knife is better than me. Cause if they're not that, you know, they should find a different job. <laughs> Absolutely. And what's cool, this bluefin thing. I talked to you a couple weeks ago and you were telling me you caught your first bluefin out here and we got a lot of yeah. people out here in California. Talk about that for a minute, because there's a lot of people that love to go bluefin fishing. They'd love to hear that story. So you never, uh, cool, man. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, the bluefin you see me cutting there is actually the first bluefin I've ever flayed in my entire life. Um, so, you know, I'm on, uh, I'm on YouTube and Instagram 
teaching people how to do it. And that was the first one I've ever done. Um, but that's uh, kind of the, it comes with the territory. It's, you just, you just know how to do these things. It's, it's, there, there wasn't really much of a learning curve. Uh, I'm sure if like the, the fish processors out in San Diego, if I sat in a room doing this for eight hours a day, every day, whew, right. and you know, like, give me one of those days where I'm doing it all day long and I'm going to be 10 times better than I was in this video. Um, and, uh, but it was so exciting. Like I got so excited to get to cut my first ever bluefin tuna. And the fact that it was 175 pound fish was freaking awesome. Um, and I, I spent about uh, 44 hours on the water um, fishing to get uh, one bluefin tuna. And it was about 40 pounds. And so it wasn't a big fish, no trophies. Um, but hey, man, that's that's what was there. And I got it. And I was stoked to catch my first bluefin tuna. In Southern California. And you, you were on the Mission Bell, right? Mission Bell was the one that we caught it on. Yeah, I, I went fishing on uh, three different boats and um mission bell wasn't a bluefin trip the the day before uh we spent uh 14 hours on the water that was specifically for bluefin uh we were we were skipping a um flying fish and that was uh they they we charted eight fish the entire day it was terrible um didn't get any of them to bite um and then the next day, we went on Mission Bell to go out for Yellowtail. And School of uh, Bluefin were popping off between the islands. And, um, I mean, that's the, the boat got like a dozen bluefin all in the same 30 to 40-pound range. It was pretty wild. And that was just so cool that that happened. Because if that hadn't happened, you wouldn't have got your bluefin. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, totally. And, um, and uh, apparently, I'm not... I'm not in that area. This is my first time ever fishing in California. But apparently that's like a super uncommon thing that you don't catch bluefin when you're in between the islands catching yellowtail. Nope. You got lucky that day for dang sure. God wanted you to have one. That's for sure. That once again, we're looking out at your mom there. She was right there above you going, my boy's getting a bluefin before he comes back, man. There you go, man. That's what it's all about. It's going to make a good video too. Oh, my God. I've got, uh, so that 775 pound bluefin, I've got the collars of that. And, uh, just this morning I processed a, a trophy Florida fish. Um, it was a hundred, it was a hundred pound core. Um, so I don't know what the, the head wave of the core was a hundred pounds, which means head off, tail off, guts out. It was probably around 120 pound fish, uh, yellowfin tuna, Florida caught. And and this was graded as a number one yellowfin tuna. Um, so that's for those that don't know, the yellowfin and bluefin are graded in um, quality, color, texture. And uh, number one is premium, premium stuff. And I got to play one of those. It was really cool. Oh, nice. um, biggest Florida yellowfin I've ever cleaned. And anyway, so I got the collars of that 175-pound bluefin. And I've got the collars of that 120-pound uh, yellowfin. And um, getting together with um, not this Monday, but the following Monday with a badass local chef, uh, one of the chefs that's, you know, got all the awards and accolades and does cool stuff. And he's going to cook up both of them and we're going to make a 
YouTube video, um, bluefin versus yellowfin collars. All right. That sounds wonderful. I'll, I'll go for the yellowfin. I think it's going to be way better myself. I'm not really I'm not a big fan of cooked bluefin. I like to eat bluefin raw. When I cook bluefin, and I don't know, maybe I just don't know how to cook it, but it always comes out looking like a dirt clod because it's meat so dark. And then when you put heat on it, it gets like a brownish beige color. And it doesn't have that clean ahi look. Sear the ahi on the outside. Oh, my gosh. There's no. Oh, yeah. oh, I love that. Yeah, yellowfin has that like deep royal ruby color that's um, just gorgeous. Yeah, now bluefin, when it's raw, there's nothing better. That's the and yeah. it give me a piece of that belly. Now I was seeing some of the videos Elliot was showing up here was you were cooking. You were doing some cooking stuff. Do you guys cook a little bit of food at the market too? Um, all right, so <laughs> this, this this is hilarious. Okay, uh, when I wanted to start a YouTube channel, I called my friend. Um, his his name is um, Noah. Uh, Noah from Liquid Film Group. There's a plug for him. I, he's going to get plugs for life from Read the Fishmonger because I wouldn't be where I am if it weren't for him. Uh, he's one of those uh, digital media experts, uh, people that can get paid uh, absurd amounts of money just to, to talk to them, for to give advice. And I'm just a lucky schmuck. who's He's a buddy of mine, so I can call him and ask him advice. So I called him. This is um, three and a half years ago, just before I started my TikTok. And I said, hey, Noah, I want to... Uh, make a YouTube channel for the fish market where I show all the different ways to, to cook fish, all the different tips and tricks. Um, I've seen some other people put out uh, cooking videos uh, on, on seafood and they suck. They're actually giving bad advice. Um, and I give cooking tips on a daily basis, sometimes to hundreds of people a day on how to cook just anything. And I was like, well, it'd be really cool. If I was well, a sugar cure bluefin belly in my smoker, oof, that sounds freaking awesome. Heck yeah, send me some of that, man. I'll give you my address right now. Um, I don't know if you saw someone put up on the, the chat um, uh, sugar smoked bluefin on the smoker. That sounded phenomenal. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Uh, I digress. So <laughs> I call him. I tell him that I want to make these cooking sh videos. So that way when customers ask me, like, I'm still going to teach them how to do it verbally, but then I can say like, and if you want to like be able to follow along, cause that's what we do now is, you know, when we're in the kitchen cooking, we put the YouTube video on the counter where like, you know, it's resting up on the, the wall playing the video and we're kind of going along to it as it's going. So it'd be cool if I could provide that for my customers. It's the, the recipes and tips and tricks I'm giving them, but on YouTube, they can go home and open it up. So I was like, this is going to be something great. For the customers and noah said and i the reason why i called him is to ask for one is there any classes that he recommends to learn how to edit videos and two is there any classes he recommends to learn how to record videos and um he said reed are you still um running the seafood market working absurd hours a week and i said yeah why and he goes you're not gonna learn how to video edit and <laughs> film and i was like well first of all burn um second of all like like well you know say hypothetically i am able to figure it out do you have any recommendations and he's like no like literally just you know you're gonna suck until you've done it for ten thousand hours so have fun and um and i was like well 
that sucks. Thanks anyways. <laughs> and he's like, Reed, what you should do is make a TikTok. And I'm like, what's a TikTok? I didn't know what it was. Literally, literally zero clue. I was like the furthest from a, a social media guy. Um, and he's like, it's this new social media platform that's competing with YouTube for watch hours. And they give you some tools to edit videos and make it super user-friendly so morons like you can do it. And I'm like, all right, cool. Um, I'll give that a go. And he's like, wait, you're not cooking, though. You're going to uh, show people how to fillet. I'm like, what? That's like that's like not even what I was talking about doing. It's not even in the same realm of like what I want to be doing. Um, and and he, he's like, I don't know. He's like, I don't know anybody that knows more about fish than you. I don't know anybody that fillets fish better than you. Uh, it's going to be a hit. Just do that. It'll be great. And I'm like, okay, I guess. Like, you know, <laughs> screw it. Um, so uh, it was like three months later, I was at like 40,000 subscribers on uh, TikTok. Like I already had like over like, like millions of views. And I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. Like my first my uh like second or third video got like over 10,000 views and like to me that was like half of the freaking planet like you know like like, oh my god like I can't even count to 10,000 like (laughs) yeah and um uh so I called Noah and I'm like Noah that thing was really working man like I wish you could do the same thing on Instagram and he's like what do you mean and I was like, well, when you make a post on Instagram, it only goes to the people that are already following you. Whereas TikTok, it like goes to a bunch of random people so you can get videos that blow up. And he goes, that's what reels are. And I'm like, what's a reel? And he's like, you hit the little plus sign. I'm like, okay. He's like, instead of post, you hit reel. I'm like, okay, what does that do? And he's like, literally what you just described it goes into a feed of a bunch of people where it just randomly shows up in other people's feeds based off of likes, interests, and whether the algorithm wants to tell you to F off or not. And, and I'm like, okay. So like, I just, you know, like post the same video from TikTok to Instagram. And he's like, well, you can, um, the Instagram's not going to like TikTok's video on their platform. So it's probably not going to give you good views. Um, so you should probably, um, you know, start, editing um videos off of tiktok if you want to do that and um i asked him for advice and recommendations on video editing platforms and he's like like reed i literally have no clue like the the platform i use to to make documentaries and films like are not the platform you're going to use you're going to just find some like shitty app and use that instead and i'm like okay so (laughs) i downloaded some shitty app i've uh it's probably the same one i'm using today uh, it's called VN. Um, works great for what I do. Um, you know, just cut. Uh, you can add music, all that kind of stuff. And so I started doing that. Then it was about uh, six months later. So now we're about like a year plus down the, the rabbit hole. I want to now get into YouTube. I, you know, had some experience with video editing. I was getting a little bit better. My first ones were horrible. And now my current ones are Okay. So I started posting to YouTube and um, then it was about six months ago that I started posting to Facebook. Um, so where I'm at right now on Facebook is like only uh, six or seven months of, of growth, which is mind blowing. Facebook is my hands down fastest growing platform by a long shot. 
Um, it's, it's absolutely mind blowing. Um, I, I thought Facebook was dead. Uh, my, my friend, um, Victor, who I met through this journey of posting videos, we ended up, um, you know, linking up, shooting the shit. I, uh, sold him fish for, to clean up at ICAST for 2022. And we kind of just stayed in contact ever since, uh, check out, uh, Landshark Outdoors, great channel. Uh, he's the one that told me to go on Facebook. And I'm like, isn't Facebook dead? And he's like, no, dude. Like, like Facebook's popping. And I was like, okay. Like, you know, like, all right, whatever. So, yeah. So that's the that's the journey of of how that happened. And holy smokes, all of that was to answer your cooking question. <laughs> um, so all of my cooking videos are just personal cooking for for videos. All right. Um, you know, I've been cooking fish my whole life, and that was um, I give cooking tips and tricks on a daily basis to customers to make sure that they don't screw up the delicacy that they're going home with. And I, I do enjoy, I love, love cooking seafood. And I hope now I'm going to be able to showcase more cooking. Um, if you follow my YouTube channel, I just started posting long-form videos, which I haven't posted long-form videos before. And so my long form videos, Mondays, I'm posting um, full length uh, fish butchery tutorials. Uh, so they're, they're not going to be these 60, 90 second videos. They're going to be anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes, like walking you through like the, the fine detail uh, for the guy that was asking about cutting through the spine. Like that video would probably be a help to you. Uh, I already have a few of them up. Uh, so every Monday is going to be a, a full fish butchery episode. And every Friday is going to be a cooking show. Oh, sweet. Um, yep. So you're looking at him there. And that is uh, put together by Cam Brooks. Um, his Instagram is, um, uh, what is it? It's um, Cam Brooks Creative on Instagram. And he is now my, my partner on YouTube. All of the short form content is still put together myself all of my long form content is filmed and produced by cam brooks now beautiful That's gonna yeah. go big time i think like matt asking you Thank how you. to matt asking you how to fix that fillet that those kind of videos long form now that you have this giant yep that's him there you go there's your buddy uh and uh, he's a he's a legit filmmaker um videographer producer uh, he's like totally bad to the bone um and uh us working together it's it's gonna be epic oh absolutely with the big following you already have which is just mind-boggling to have four two two hundred fifty thousand followers on facebook in four five months or six months that's that's incredible that is yeah it's mind-blowing yeah it's incredible i've been pounding at it with my buddy elliot we've been doing this now for three years and we have the same amount on facebook as you have but our Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube has—we're not even close to what you're doing, and that's just because your attitude, your personality, everything you do in that in that room cutting those fish is just so fun to watch. And the way—thanks, man. And you're smiling, and you're happy, and you're doing what you love. And I know now, now I really know why because you're in constant contact with your mom, which family is everything to me. And that being in that room with you now, I see where the joy and the love's coming from, and I could. Your audience can feel it. We can feel it while we're watching you, buddy. You were doing a you're doing nice, it. man. That, that's 
it's pretty special. I, I'm a very emotional human being. And man, now that I know why, I can see it. I can see it on your face. That's where you need to be in there teaching people about fish. It's a spectacular thing. Your mother would be so proud of you right now. Thanks, Bad man. I, I really appreciate that. Those um, compliments like that mean the world. Uh, it's, um, it's real. If someone tells me that they can tell that I, I love what I do, uh, that that means more to me than saying that they think I'm good at what I do. Now you can see the love. You can feel it when you listen and what, like you watch you right here, cutting that fish. Tell everybody what that is. Uh, that is a H and G mahi mahi, or what uh, you California folks call dorado. Yeah. Um, and what us South Florida folks call dolphin. Uh, H and G just means uh, head and gutted. Um, these are shipped over and whether they're, they're caught in the U S or South or Central America, um, having the, the head off and the tail off saves on freight and helps keep the internal temperature colder. Nice. Um, I ice and boxes and freight are expensive. Um, so if you see a fish like that inside of a seafood market, you can, uh, almost guarantee that you're getting a imported fish when it comes to mahi. <laughs> Now, when, now, now, when it comes to, um, I don't know what it's like where you live, but where we live, um, all of our swordfish are cored on the boat. And that's not about freight. That's just about getting the internal temperature down as quickly as possible. Uh, we want the inside of that swordfish core to be a refrigerated temperature. So all of the swordfish that we sell at Captain Clayton's Sun Seafood Market is uh, sold or harvested in less than a hundred mile radius, whether it's North or South. Um, most of it is caught like very close to us. Like uh, you're, you're talking like under 20 miles North or South. All right. And so you guys are bringing in fish from other places too, just because you have to, to keep up the supply demand. Cause everybody with your social media presence, now you're, your family-owned fish market is famous. It's super famous. Dude. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. So the, the majority of the fish we sell is still locally right. harvested. I understand. Uh, the, the vast majority. Uh, the reason why we get imported mahi is because everybody wants – not everybody. I mean, we've, you know, obviously, we have a huge following for local fish. But uh, the, the people that are less enthusiastic about you know whatever's fresh – People that are just walking into a seafood market in South Florida, they think that mahi grow trees in South Florida and that it's just a year-round harvest. It's, it's not. Uh, commercial fishermen are targeting mahi four to six weeks out of the year. The rest of the year, it's all imported. And even that four to six weeks out of the year, most of the places, I'm not going to you know throw anybody under the bus, but like you know, a lot of places, even when they're locally available, are getting them imported anyways. For us, when they're locally available, we're getting them locally. When they're not locally available for the, you know, 20 people a day that come in and they just like, they don't care about anything else you have. They just want mahi. We get it for them. And we source out the, the best quality imported mahi we can find. And the best part about it is we tell our customers it's imported. Um, that mahi you saw, the reason why I said, if you see it like that, you know, it's imported. So that way, if you ever go to a place and you see local mahi and it looks like that, the chance of it being local is super low. Um, it's a big pet peeve of mine, which we could have an avenue we could have gone, but we're out of time. 
is mislabeling where fish comes from. It drives me nuts, man. I can't stand it. Uh, it makes it so much harder on the, the people that are honest and doing things the right way. And when you have so many other people being dishonest about it and misrepresenting what they're selling, um, you know, South American, Central American mahi can be wonderful if it's fresh and handled properly. Just don't lie about it. Just don't lie about it. You guys, you know, if you're watching, you got a fish house or restaurant, be honest, tell people where your stuff comes from. Don't embellish it. And, um, Stand behind it, be proud of it, and uh, you're going to do the industry a service if you are being honest about where your food's coming from. Absolutely. I know we're going to finish this up right now because I told you an hour and we're already seven minutes over. So I didn't tell the truth. I We're going over. But one thing, I don't know if you guys have it in Florida. We have another fish that is super popular on the West Coast, and it's got nothing to do with what they call it. They call it a Chilean sea bass. Have you heard of that fish? Patagonian, Patagonian toothfish, tooth but they, yes, you're not going to see that on any menu. It's all mislabeled. No. There's no such thing. Yeah. And people will fight you. They'll fight you to the death to tell you they love Chilean sea bass. I eat it all the time and I know where it came from. And they, that's just one of those things. Just like, yeah. just like our shrimp. When you're standing there and you see our shrimp caught in the Gulf, in the Gulf of Mexico, U.S. caught shrimp and you see that it, they want, 12 or $20 a pound for that. And you see that Indonesian stuff that's grown in those sewer pens and it's $2 a pound and everybody buys the sewer pen shrimp. It's go ahead. So I, I don't know if you're able to find the, the video, but um, you guys can uh, look it up. Like I, I saw a video of a, of a little lady somewhere in Asia sitting on the, on a five gallon bucket flipped upside down. And she's got what looks like a, a hot glue gun with a syringe on it and a tube going off the back into another bucket. And she's, so here's the shrimp. She's puncturing it into the butt. And it's going from this big to whomp. Like, it, like she punctures it, squirts, blows up. And then she hits it three times, like, you know, bottom, middle, top. And a shrimp this big goes to this big. I'm like, what? That's crazy. So then I started looking it up and looking into it. And like, you know, that could either be pork fat or worse. There, there's um, a synthetic compound. I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But like, you know, a lot of that imported crap that you're eating, like, like you have no clue what's in it. If you've watched that video of this lady, like pumping these shrimp and uh, turning like a, a – Thirty-one forty shrimp into like a twenty-one twenty-five. Uh, for those who don't know, that's um, count per pound. Um, it, it's just mind blowing, mind blowing. Like you would never eat an Asian shrimp again if you saw that. Oh, I know it's scary. I, my wife and I watched that. I don't know, eight nine months ago, and there was a, about twenty women all sitting on buckets in a in a like a little sweatshop, and they're just injecting shrimp all day, and it's just like. Oh my God. And eating that shrimp is uh, promoting those, you know, people that are getting, you know, paid crap, treated like crap. And uh, those, you know, industries wouldn't be alive if we didn't consume it. Uh, and that'd be the, the last bit I'll, I'll give. Um, and, you know, I'm like a fisherman. I've got 20 last casts. Right. Um, <laughs> um, and when it comes to clothing, um, I hope I'm not uh, messing up anybody's sponsorships by saying this, but um, try to buy clothes that's not made in sweatshops. Um, it's, it's along the lines of the, the shrimp story we just said, um, 
that most Americans, their, their outfits from head to toe are made by slaves in 2023. And that is just horrible. Um, I think no matter how low income you are, uh, you can afford to, you know, you don't need to have a hundred shirts. You just need, you know, 10 shirts that are well-made that are going to last you a long time. And just, uh, if you could avoid clothing that's made in sweatshops, it would be doing the world such a great service. So, uh, you know, just look into that if you want to, if you don't, don't, but that's, you know, just two cents I got. Well, thank you. One more time, run over where you're at, what you got going on. I'm going to let you jump out of here. Elliot already split. So it's just me and you right now. So. All right, man. Uh, well, uh, my channels are all read the fishmonger R E E D underscore the fishmonger T H E fishmonger. Um, I, I, I'm blessed to have a large following. So if you just type in my name, the likelihood of it showing up is good. R E E D. Uh, if you type in fishmonger on any of those channels, the likelihood of it popping up is pretty good. Uh, so I think you'll, you'll be able to find it. Um, and, uh, you know, there's what the, the feed looks like. If you find it, there's what the title is. Read the fishmonger. And my family's business is Captain Clay and Sun Seafood Market, uh, which is linked in my Instagram description. So if you want to find that, you can go to my Instagram and just click the link and you can check out my, my family's seafood markets. Um, if you gave uh, Read the Fishmonger zero views, zero follows, zero likes, I would be just fine. Um, if you gave Captain Clay and Sons Seafood Market um, the follows and likes, I'd, I'd be through the moon. Um, that I would mean the world to me if I, you know, hop back on Captain Clay and Sons Seafood Market after this show and I, I saw a handful of you guys on there. That'd be really cool. So I'd appreciate it. Thanks, y'all. I think we'll all jump over there after this. Reed, thank you so much. This has been just a pleasure. We blew through that hour. It melted away yeah. fast. It doesn't even seem like it was an hour. And you and I could probably sit here and talk forever. Elliot's still here because he didn't want to miss whatever you were saying either. So thank you, Elliot. Thank you, Reed. Thank you, everybody, for watching the show. We're going to take the weekend off like we normally do. We'll be back at it hard on Monday. We got another great show for you Monday. And, uh, Next week, we have a great special guest. Elliot will start promoting that right after this. Reed, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Everybody, turn off the news. They're all lying to you. Go outside and have fun, and I'll talk to you all on Monday. Thank you. For Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.